Good morning to you. Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm a member of staff. If we haven't met before, it's good to be here together. Uh, we're breaking our series on Romans this morning, um, really just to steal back a little of what the commercial world has hijacked, I think. Um, Mother's Day. And as Andrew alluded to in his prayer earlier, today can be a day of mixed emotions for everyone in the room. Um, for some of us, our mothers have departed already in death. Um, perhaps for some of us, our children have already died. They've predeceased us, and this can be a very painful recollection. Some of us think very fondly of our mums because they did love us and they, they sacrificed for us and they blessed us. Um, but because human mothering is never perfect, it's actually ruined by sin. Some of us have very bad memories of our mothers and even the best mothers perhaps um, had their moments. And this sin-ruined world means mothering is hard and it does go awry. So even the first mother, Eve, um, watched her two sons fight and one of them murder the other. Um, but just so I don't forget, I do want to say a big thanks before the Lord and to some of you, actually, my spiritual grandmothers and mothers here today, um, and a special thanks, actually, to Lilius um, in her memory, and I thank God for her, because as we were missionaries in Italy, she was extremely faithful in being in contact with us, uh, the cards that she made and that she would send very regularly and reassure us of her prayers. And so uh, the impact that some of you have had on me has been fantastic, and I praise God for it, and I thank God for it. I thank God for my own mum. So mum, if you're watching this uh, later today, thank you. <clears throat> um, Mother's Day, where does it come from? So some say that it actually originates with honouring the Lord Jesus' mother. That's one idea, if you do a bit of research on it. Um, others say it was simply a day off from work so that women could visit their mothers. So that tells you something of uh, the woman's lot in the past. Mother's Day was designed to be a break, perhaps the one day of the year. Um, again, some say Mary Jarvis started the idea of Mother's Day in Pennsylvania in 1907. She, she began a, a personal tradition of holding a memorial service for her late mum, and that spread across the United States um, in very quick time, so much so that Mary Jarvis spent the last years of her life trying to abolish this commercialised tradition. <laughs> it was so rampant. But now in our day, Mother's Day potentially is even more hazy because we're getting close to not being able to say mother anymore. Um, there is a suggestion, just in the name of equality and diversity, um, that we might have to say gestational or birthing parent instead of mother. Now, I don't want to pillory that idea because, for this reason, in every generation, actually, we wrestle with identity. What does it mean to be anything? <laughs> um, but no matter where we land with respect to Mother and Mother's Day, there are a couple of certainties. Every person enters the world via a woman's womb. That's undisputable, still. And every mother, I think, seeks to know how to be a mum. Now, I have a mother, and I've watched my wife become and be a mother, but I'm not here this morning to pass on their advice or my observations. But I'm going to make an even bolder claim. I want to pass on the secret to motherhood from the God who invented it. I'm going to say two things from the passage uh, that we had read for us by Ian just a moment ago. First of all, every mother does not have what it takes the most important thing 
that any mother needs is something that you do not have, eternal life and immortality. And only God can give it to you in Jesus Christ, and God will give it to you if you trust Jesus Christ. And so the first point that I'm going to make is that the key to motherhood is mothering faith. And the second thing I'm going to say is this. The best thing that you can do for your children is to help them understand that Jesus alone gives eternal life so that you can set them up to trust him and serve him and not to be bound to you. That's what Paul underscores as he writes to Timothy because he honours Timothy's grandma and he honours Timothy's mum for their trusting Jesus. And we see what has happened is that they have set him up to do exactly the same thing. Please join me, let's pray so that we can ask for God's help to chew through these things this morning and understand them and believe them. Let's pray. Father, please help us now. Help us to see our inadequacy, but your great provision for us in the Lord Jesus. We do pray that you would help us to trust him. And we ask, Father, that you would relieve us of the burden of having to be God to our children and set them up for a lifetime of trusting Jesus too. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, a a really great thing that Paul doesn't do is this. He doesn't set up a greeting card picture of perfection of motherhood. He sees two mothers who are to be praised, but they're to be praised because they have acknowledged their own deficit. They've acknowledged what they don't have. You see, they are held up as a model because of sincere faith. They are models of mothering faith. If you've got your Bible open or if it can come back up on the screen, my key verse this morning is verse 5, and I just wanted to reread that to you. Verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. I am reminded of your sincere faith. And that's Paul saying to Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Um, A little bit of research on on successful mothering immediately and repeatedly brings up this advice. You must be okay with yourself. That's the crucial first step of any internet advice. And then there are lots of other things that flow out of that. Self-acceptance and love for yourself. (laughs) Now, I think what the internet advice has understood is that I think for women and for men, what we're wrestling most with is our sense of inadequacy and what we lack. It's always with us. But here, what Grandmother Lois and Mother Eunice have realised is, yes, as far as God is concerned, they fail. Because their sin against God actually leads to death and his judgement, which is harsh but very fair. And what they've done instead, instead of accepting themselves and loving themselves, what they've done is trusted Jesus Christ, God's love for them, who could give them forgiveness and life with God forever. And when Paul talks about faith, it's not some mystical idea or a power or an encounter, but he's simply saying this, faith is trusting what or who is dependable, trusting Jesus who is trustworthy. Um, We're all involved in acts of faith every minute of our lives, aren't we? Like even you this morning, 
You came trusting that the building would still be here, someone would turn up to organise a service, Diana is leading, there are chairs here that would support our weight and you actually sat down on them and they're still working, look at that. You've trusted what is trustworthy this morning and that's what Paul is talking about when he talks about faith. And the strength of their mothering came from who they trusted. They admitted their weakness and they trusted Christ. And here's why they needed to do that. Have a look at verse 10. It's quite spectacular what Paul says there. Actually, I'll just read from the the back end of verse 9. This grace, this unmerited kindness of God was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul says, Christ, God's Messiah, Jesus, the God who saves, is the saviour of these women. In fact, it's such a big statement that it's important for me to underline this morning. He's the saviour of women and men. It's not just that women need saving and men don't. He is the saviour of the world. He has destroyed death at the cross. He actually took our sin onto himself and exchanged his rightness with God for those of us who trust in him. Jesus Christ brought life and immortality and it keeps going out through his good news and those who believe it. And here's why it's very, very important for these women and I think all women to understand. It's because women have a very powerful role, don't you? Because you actually bring life. You give birth. And if anyone understands, I think, new life and new birth, it's a woman who has had children. It's, a, it's an amazing thing, actually. But, but what these women have realised is they do not have power to give eternal life. They do not possess immortality within themselves, but Jesus Christ does. And so what they've actually done is realised we don't have that power. Jesus does and we're going to trust in him. So if I can put it simply this morning, and sometimes it's important, I think, and I'm sorry, Mum, I have to say this, reflecting on sometimes experience of mothers, it's really important that mothers realise you do not have immortality, you do not have that power, you are not God. How to lose your audience in one sentence, right? But God will give it to you as you trust Jesus in your place. That's a spectacular thing this morning. So the best part of their motherhood is a gift that they've actually received. Life and immortality in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me give you a bit bit of an example perhaps of of what it might mean to receive a gift. Um, I've used this illustration before, so forgive me if you remember it. My mum got me a job when I was 12 and she said, you know, would you like a job? And I don't think I really knew what that was and she got it for me anyway. And that was working at the Canberra Village Pharmacy, packing shelves and doing some vacuuming two or three afternoons after school. And the pharmacist, I think my mum had kind of twisted the pharmacist's arm to get me the job. And so he paid me about 75 cents an hour. And I've since done the research and the average wage, the hourly wage in 1984-85 was about 4 to $5. So this guy was well and truly ripping me off. Now, the first Christmas as I had that job, 
I bought my mum a present. And like the fool that I was, I bought it from the pharmacist. So I'd actually given him back the money, the little bit of money that he'd um, allowed me to earn. And I remember sitting there in our lounge room that Christmas, and the time came for my mum actually to unwrap the present. It was, it was a glass plate, like, you know, just for uh, putting food on at some kind of uh, dinner or afternoon tea. And as she went to unwrap it and realised that it was from me, I cried. I cried. I don't know whether it was because I was, I was thinking of all, the, all the, the blood, sweat and tears and the very little amount of money that I'd earned to actually get that, or whether it was my love for her. And I think it was a bit of both, actually, now that I reflect on it. And it, it, was, it was a wonderful moment of me saying to my mum, I love you. Now, imagine this. My mother saw that gift and she realised where it had come from and how it had actually come to pass that I was able to, uh, to purchase this. And she refused to accept it and unwrap it. How awful would that be? But she, she would never do that. She, uh, she didn't do that. She received that gift. She took the gift. Now, what grandmother Lois and Timothy's mother Eunice have realised is that the greatest thing that they have ever been offered is the gift of eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they've accepted it. That's faith, actually. It's just with empty hands saying, give me everything as I trust in Jesus. And that's what they've done. Now, here, here's an, an implication of that, an application of that. It's such a massive relief when any one of us actually realises that God's power is for us. We don't have that life and immortality in ourselves, but he gives it to us. And here's why it's a relief, especially for women. You don't have superpowers, even though throughout, I think, your, your career as a mother, they perhaps are, are often called upon, <laughs> and you, you carry very heavy loads as a mother, um, and sometimes in unreasonable ways. But, but what, what this means is you don't have to feel the burden of being perfect. And you don't have to feel the burden any longer of having to give the gift of eternal life to all those around you. You can't. And so instead, life becomes a matter of uh, repentance, so turning back to God and trusting Jesus in your place and humility, accepting that you aren't God, accepting that you don't have eternal life in yourselves, accepting that God has it and he gives it to you <clears throat> and that God has identified and provided for your greatest need. Wow. Great. What a relief. It's so good. And that you won't be the perfect mother because you can't be. But Jesus has been perfect in your place. So successful mothering is actually mothering faith. I think that's what Paul is highlighting here as he talks so favourably about Lois and Eunice. Trusting Christ and pointing children to him. This is motherhood that God praises. And that is the thing that you need the most. Full stop. Now, what existed in grandma and mum now exists in Timothy. Paul says in verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. So he's kind of describing a family tree of grace. Three generations, God's kindness. Now, before I, 
I go on to make my second point, I just want, I really want to stop for a second and underline, underline this. He is not saying because grandma trusted in Christ, that led to mum trusting in Christ and that was obviously going to lead to Timothy trusting in Christ. He does not say that. And it's really important that, I, that I, I stop for a moment and underline that for this reason, because we can fall into the, the, the trap of thinking one plus one equals two, that because grandma, because mum have been faithful, therefore Timothy will be a follower of Jesus, will be saved. No, Paul is not saying that. He says... The gracious gift of God that I saw in your grandmother that she received, the gracious gift of God that I've seen in your mother that she also received is the same faith, the gracious gift of God received by you, Timothy. Praise God for his kindness and his mercy. He's done it in three generations, but not because there's a formula that produces faith in a child. So again, I just want to relieve you of that burden because some of us are actually wrestling with why aren't some of our children following Christ. It is always a work of his grace. And there is always hope because he is the gracious God. But nonetheless, Timothy is held up as a model of the faithful child. And here's why I want to make this my second point. Because if there's anything that we're aiming at for our children, if you as grandmothers and mothers, if there's anything that you're aiming at for your children, this is the goal. Because Paul is so positive about what Timothy is doing as a follower of Jesus, as he trusts Jesus Christ. And so Paul's encouragement to Timothy calibrates our mothering expectation. Timothy's life is not dedicated to his grandmother. Timothy's life is not dedicated to his mum. Timothy's life is not dedicated to himself. But his life is actually dedicated to the Lord Jesus and the service of God's people and the world. And that can tip some of our motherly expectations on their head. Because inadvertently, what we take up are different aspirations for our children. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. So certainly what we see here is that the umbilical cord has been cut and the apron strings have been cut. And so Timothy is not a mummy's boy, but he is Jesus' man. And his grandmother and mother have played a part in that. But I think what we're about to see is some shocking things, actually, as Paul says to Timothy, here is what you want to press into and grow up to be as a child of God. And I'm, refer I'm going to just going to refer very briefly to the verses 6 to 12 as we see the child that God praises. So in verses 6 and 7, Paul says, the faithful child grows in God's power because he says, fan into flame the gift that's been given by God's power in the Holy Spirit. So he says, rely on God's strength, not on yourself, because your own strength will run out. Then he says... The child of God grows in testifying. But he says to Timothy, don't be ashamed about Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's verse 8. But so he'll be on about Jesus, not about his mum, no matter how powerful she has been. Now, I, I had an experience of the power of my grandmother one time. We were on holidays in Bathurst where they lived. And my brother and I, I think it was, must have been about Christmas time, we'd been given this gift of kind of these plastic straws and, and connectors and you could make all sorts of things. And we were out the front of her house 
um, doing this in the daytime, just making these things. And there's th three local kids from the neighbourhood just walked past and they stopped and they were just talking to us about what we were doing. And they ended up praising what I was doing and not so much what my brother had done. And I don't know why what was going on in my head in that moment, but I started to cry and be upset with these guys that they didn't care much about what my brother had done. And my grandmother, not hearing any of this, but then suddenly hearing my crying and my, uh, me being upset, she came to the front door of the house and in language that I'd never heard her uh, speak before, <laughs> basically told these kids off. And they were protesting, just basically saying what they'd been doing and talking with that, and she didn't want to hear a word of it. And she tore strips off them at, you know, at, at 10 paces. And the power of my grandmother was very, very clear at that point. <laughs> and sometimes, of course, we can get caught up, can't we, in the capacity, the strength, the giftedness of our grandmothers, our mothers. And even sometimes when we have that within ourselves, we can think, that's what I've got to give to my kids. But Paul's saying, no, no, grow in testifying about Jesus Christ, who is Lord, not your mother, not your grandmother. Paul goes on to say, the faithful child grows in suffering for the good news of Jesus by God's power. That's still verse 8. He says, life won't be easy, but it will be all about promoting Jesus Christ, not yourself. And he says, the faithful child grows in holiness. This is verses, verse 9. They're set apart for God's purpose. They're dedicated to promote the Lord Jesus, not educational success not a career, not economic success, even though some of these things might come. So he's not saying to any of us, don't pursue other things, but he's underlining what the priority actually should be, at least for Timothy, and as a reflection for all of us to consider, these are the things to which we all should really aspire above everything else. And finally, he says, the faithful child grows in hope. That's verse 12. And let's just read that. I, this is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. So Timothy is saying the faithful child lives knowing that life forever with God is coming. And that's really everything. So I think it's a great moment actually this morning for us to, to re remember Lilias, even in this moment, because what she taught us is that what's coming is so much greater than what we have. Even when what we have, especially as we live in a country like Australia and we, we have each other in a peaceful setting like this, is a lot. I think Lilias just kept pointing, no, no. There's a bigger and better thing coming. There's a bigger and better thing coming. And she had no problem waiting for that. <laughs> and I think some of you have reminded me that recently she started saying, I don't know what I'm doing here anymore. <laughs> and I'm ready, to go to, I'm ready to go to be with the Lord. Because she understood that that was the bigger and better thing. But as we look back across this list of what Paul is saying to Timothy is right for a faithful child, I think we can be left thinking, who would want any of this for any of our kids? Suffering. Testifying, being opposed because of the Lord Jesus. And I think just at face value, we'd say, oh, that is not what I'm hoping that my kids will experience. 
But Paul says, no, no, recalibrate your expectations for your children because when we understand Jesus rightly, living for him and letting other people know about him is our aspiration. And so we want to raise our kids to be dependent, not on ourselves, but on Christ. And Paul's got no qualms in sending Timothy to Ephesus to have to keep sorting out the church there, pointing them to Jesus and away from themselves. So Paul gives the picture of Christian life here. And we see how grandma and mum can set him up. Timothy can grow as the faithful child, not perfect, but sincerely trusting the perfect saviour, Jesus. And what that means for any grandmother or mother or parent is that life is freed from anxiety. Because the future promises what Jesus guards, and that's life forever. So Timothy can keep growing. He's ready to go where God directs him. He's ready to serve and suffer and lead God's people. And here's the vision for Christian motherhood, that God can work by his gracious power, not by what you want to try and engineer for your children. So here's the check-in moment. To what do you aspire? For yourself. What are your big goals? For your children, for your grandchildren. I think there's an easy way to check in on this. What do you pray for them? So first of all, do you actually pray for them? That, that, that's a, there's a question. I'm not going to make any assumptions. And then secondly, what do you pray for them? Now, I don't know what Sarah prays for our kids, but I can tell you um, my, my abiding prayer over time has been this, um, that they would live in harmony with the Lord and with each other, and they would do that because they trust Jesus and they know his love and they can show that to each other. And then I get a bit more specific that one of them would be um, an evangelist to Italy, one of them would be a servant of the persecuted church, one of them would be a missionary to an as yet unreached people group, and the fourth would uh, stay close to us in our old age to take care of us. (laughs) So there's a selfish prayer, number four, and we'll see see who ends up with that. But I share that with you just to be very, very transparent, but also to to challenge you a little bit. How does your understanding of God's goodness and grace in the Lord Jesus Christ recalibrate your own aspirations? But how does that come out to your kids? Because mums in particular, as the primary caregivers, the primary lovers of children, you are the communicators of your own aspirations and your own fears. And how do they match up with what God is praising in Christian motherhood here. Because your kids are in, the need, in need of the gift of grace in Christ. That, that is their greatest need. And mothers, you really do take that responsibility for grounding your kids in grace. But we want to say that to all of us, don't we? Because as, as parents, as fathers, as members of this church community, actually, of this family, we, we do take up that responsibility. But I want you to encourage you to release them to lead and serve and suffer in Jesus' name so that others might have that same sincere trust in Christ. Um, Perhaps you're not a mother this morning. We'll pray for those who are. Perhaps you are a grandma and a mother. Um, Keep trusting Jesus yourself so that no matter whether your grandchildren and children are close by or far, what they will understand in you is that you've got a freedom that comes from knowing that your eternal life is taken care of in Christ. Um, Are you a mum or a mum-to-be? Best thing you can do is trust Christ now and show that to your kids as they come along. Let's pray.
Please join me and let's pray. Father God, we don't always like the sound of what Paul is praising in Timothy or exhorting him to do, to testify and not be ashamed, no matter who might oppose him, to grow in suffering so the good news of Jesus might be known, to consider himself less so that others might know Jesus more. Um, But we do pray that you would help us to have a clearer understanding of eternal life and immortality that you brought to light in the Lord Jesus, that we might trust in him, that our kids would see that, and they would do it too. In Jesus' name, amen.